sitting back, relaxing, and talking sports with the guys. Hey, we're just men doing manly things. Light up a cigar and have a brew with the starting lineups Tyler Ivins and Eric Kane. For the next 60 minutes, it's the Gentleman's Hour podcast on The Sports Animal. September the 4th, a Wednesday. That's the reason why we gave you the date because, as we told you, when football season swings around, the Wednesdays would return. Gentlemen's Hour podcast exclusively on Sports Radio, WNML.com, and, and through majority of your podcast platforms. Tyler Ivins with you here from Barley's in the Old City alongside Eric Kane, John Stansel. We're going to take you the next 60 minutes post Georgia State and the look ahead to BYU. Big hello and thank you to each one of you joining us. If you did find us on Sports Radio, WNML.com. And a big thank you to everybody who joins us also through the social media platforms at Tyler Ivins at underscore Kaner, and at John underscore Stancil. Lots that we have to get into this week. Football heavy, obviously. And, and, and I understand with it being Wednesday, a lot of people, they pick hump day to be the day where you will put everything behind you from Saturday and Sunday in the rearview mirror. And you take a couple days to reflect. You let it marinate. You let it sink in. But normally by Wednesday, this is the day you start looking ahead of only days remaining until your next obstacle And for Tennessee, it's a tall order. Already, we're starting to talk about must-wins the second week of the 2019 Tennessee football season. Guys, September 7th is going to be here before you know it, and immediately the narrative is going to change of but Georgia State, but Georgia State, and quickly turn to look out, here comes BYU. Afternoon, boys. Kaner, I'll start with you. Uh, I got neighbors. I've got friends. In low places, that's a Garth Brooks reference, seeing that we made the announcement earlier today. And how fitting is it that song is going to be played on November the 16th inside Neyland Stadium? I think that's just hilarious. We'll give our friends over at WIVK a little bit of love coming up before the end of the podcast. If you don't know, we'll go ahead and let you know Garth Brooks is coming to Neyland Stadium between the Kentucky and Missouri game. That is the bye week set for November the 16th. We'll give you details about ticket information and a lot more if you hang with us about the podcast. John Stansel, uh, we were just talking about the weather outside. Still a little warm here for it being the beginning of September, but before you know it, we're going to be trading in our short sleeve dad shirts and polos for long sleeves. And the I will tell you, you know John Stansel's in a good mood and he's in a good-looking mood whenever he does the sweater and button-down combo with oh, the yeah. nice penny loafers. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. If there's any guy who knows cigars, that's when I knew I wanted guy, to be John Stanton. That was when I it's grew funny. Up. That's yeah. why I referenced it because it was oh, yeah. around the fall of last year. Mm-hmm. We were in the midst of here comes Tennessee basketball, but hey, there's still plenty of football to talk about. John Stansel started coming in with the smoke. I, it's not smoking jacket, it's sharp blazer. But that was when Eric Kane made the whole planting the flag of I want to be John Stansel. Little yeah. did he know he was second on that depth chart only behind me of I'm wanting to be John Stansel. So there's not enough John Stansel to go around. You're a hero, man. Afternoon, man. John Stansel. Well, being the standard to go by for no one on anything. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> I will tell you, being here at Barley's and having to talk about the things that we're going to talk about today. Look, we could talk about upsets. We could talk about disgruntled fan bases. That has to be touched on. That is still topical, especially when a Georgia State team who we're not going through the measurements, the tail of the tape. Everybody knows the magnitude of the upset. But much like an earthquake, the after effect and the shock waves that still follow are still prominent here. So we'll talk about that throughout the podcast. We'll look ahead to BYU. 
a team that just came off a, a loss that they thought that they had in hand in the first half. They've had two extra days since Thursday when they lost their rivalry game, the Holy War to Utah. Let's bring it here first. Let's start in Knoxville. Jeremy Pruitt. He said it starts with him post-game. We had an opportunity to talk to the likes of Nigel Warrior, Brandon Kennedy, Jarrett Garantano. There are a lot of players out there who are just as shell-shocked as a lot of people were. And I want to start with Tennessee football, but I will say, to bring it topical to today, I never thought that I would be rendered speechless, Eric, John. And for a little bit in the press box, I was rendered speechless that I was watching a Tennessee team fall to Georgia State. And I thought, This is a magnitude that I don't think I'll ever see again. And then last night I was watching baseball, and I saw a particular National League team give up six runs in the ninth. And I actually sat in the dark after my satellite provider cut the game off, and after like two or three minutes, if there's no activity, my TV always shuts off. I didn't move. I sat there for 10 minutes. So within 96 hours, the University of Tennessee football program and the New York Mets baseball club left me speechless. No, I didn't. Oh I, I kind of, I, I, I quickly just tried to avoid Worst everything. Period. Game. Period. Ever. Exclamation point. You know, and I'll just quickly say oh, this: What a, what a class! I mean, I've seen bullpen collapses this year. What, man? What made it worse was the fact that you have Mickey Calloway, who, again, not making a Met segment, will move to Tennessee in ten seconds. Mickey Calloway goes to the media and he talks to the media as if they blew a game in May. Like, hey, we'll just go get him tomorrow. It's September. It's playoff baseball. You essentially buried yourself in the standings now. By so, five so how days. how far back did that move in the, in the wild card? They're now back five. Okay, yeah. And a night where everybody won, and you mm-hmm. thought after Alonzo went yick in the ninth inning. Okay, hammer. Now you have a chance to sweep them tomorrow. This is not a med segment. I hear you, but man, they were so much fun to watch about a month ago when they were coming on post All Star break. What were they? They won eighteen to twenty two out of the break. Yeah. Or something ridiculous yeah. like that. You were getting all. Yeah, I mean. The uh, Alonzo was killing it. McNeil was leading the league in batting average. You were getting production up and down the lineup. Then you lose Cano, but you're not skipping a beat. And then, you know, the wheels just fall off. You're seeing the Nationals kind of be that team that you thought would be second tier to the Atlanta Braves. The Braves somehow and lose. It, and really, that's the reason why I brought it up. Yeah. I actually issued a mea couple today. I had to apologize because the Braves should be up seven and a half in the East. Their magic number should have been whittled down by an additional game. And, the Mets bullpen just didn't do their part. Somehow so. the Atlanta Braves have lost half their lineup and continue to win. Um, yeah, I hope they're not peaking too soon. Thir- 31 games over 500? 31 yeah. games. That has not happened. I, I'd have to go back and look. It's not happened in quite some time. Talking about things that haven't happened yeah. in some time. Tennessee, Georgia State. We'll reflect on it. We'll sit there and highlight it. We'll move on. Look, it's, it's Wednesday. Um, by now, it's... It's stewed for a couple of days. He, it doesn't mean it's gotten better. Yeah. But let me tell you that. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say the same things I said Monday morning. Obviously, in my lifetime, I believe in your lifetime as well. I know there was Memphis in 96 and Wyoming in 08. Yeah, um, those are the two that immediately come to you mind. Know, but, which are part of my lifetime as well. But th- this is the worst Tennessee football loss of my lifetime. You're talking about a team that's 10 years old, sixth year in FBS, a team that was 2-10. and ten. Now, I made notes in my practice reports last week that returned pretty much everybody. Turned nine starters on offense, That's seven on defense, yeah. 50 lettermen from a year ago. But, again, it was a 2-10 and ten team. The what, what's, what's, Do I think Tennessee's better? Do I think Georgia State is a better football team than Tennessee? No, but Georgia State beat Tennessee on Saturday. The thing that's alarming is 
and Will said it this morning, you go back and you watch the tape like I did and you see all these defensive alignment issues, you see these missed tackles and all this stuff, you can coach that up. You can move on. You can coach that up. It'll be a process. You can coach it up. But when your defensive line is just getting their butts worn out by an offensive line with the average weight of 30 pounds less consistently first or fourth quarter, that's a problem. And did not pursue after the play was gone. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it, it Some was, of those guys looked like they were just stuck and they were, they, wa- were they were doing something fans were doing, follow, watching the ball when they should be trailing or yeah. at least continuing the play. I, it's, this is not – you should make a habit out of it, but I understand overlooking an opponent. I get it. I've been there. You can overlook an opponent, but to not be amped up, ready to roll, game number First one game, yeah. on the season, it doesn't matter who you're playing. It's game number one. You haven't been out there since November of last year. And the lack of motivation, the lack of effort was very alarming. You know, praising Henry Tuolotuo, I thought he played a fantastic first half. Again, it's a, it was a big experiment on Saturday, and I'll get into that here in just a sec. You didn't see much from Henry T. in the second half, but a couple plays he was loafing. That's inexcusable. You can't do that. Um, I, bottom line, I think Tennessee, I think the coaching staff came in, yeah. wanted to play nine offensive linemen, which the coaching staff did. Wanted to continue to rotate in linebackers all across the board. Defensive line, I get it. It's fine. That's, that's the position. But this game was a big experiment that I believe coaches said, okay, well, we're going to experiment Georgia State because we'll get that that's win. That's why and you pay on. teams like Georgia State $945,000. But in you 2019, get a it's like, it's, okay, I don't want to call it a glorified scrimmage. You're but not good enough to do that. Right. And, that was, and, right, and that's essentially the point I'll yeah. echo from you as well. It's just, it's not fair for me to hindsight 2020 because now you know how the outcome is and i remember sitting next to josh ward and him saying are we watching this right now tennessee's i mean forget covering the spread tennessee's not going to lose to them right no no of course not but then you go back and you do dvr sundays like i do and i remember watching the game and that was when it pointed out to me myself i said that was the moment and nobody might believe me, but in the first quarter after the interception and they went up 7 to nothing, watch the touchdown. Look how far Aubrey Solomon has pushed off the ball back into the end zone. Yeah. This guy who a lot of fans thought could end up being the difference maker on the defensive line started more games his freshman year than a sophomore year in Ann Arbor. And immediately you just look at that and went, oh, boy. And I don't care who you're playing. You're, you, Tennessee's going to play Alabama here in the next month. Tennessee's going to play Florida in two weeks. Tennessee's also going to play UAB and UT Chattanooga. I don't care who you're playing. You know, a guy like Aubrey Solomon, a guy like Matthew, whoever it may be on that defensive line, you're going to get beat. You're going to get beat the players. It's fine. I mean, it just happens. You're going to get worn out. That's football. Right. But for Tennessee, and we knew that there was no separation on that defensive line. We knew that it was lacking experience. You knew that there weren't many guys. Of course. But for that unit to get whipped – by Georgia State. Again, an offensive line that averaged 30 pounds less as a unit than Tennessee's defensive line. Shocking. Sean Elliott, head coach, said coming into it, watching the tape, we felt like we had the opportunity to control the game sure. at the line of scrimmage. They not only controlled it, they dominated yeah. offensive line as well. Now, there was a little bit more push on the offensive line, especially at times, but the same things. You're seeing veteran guys, Marcus Tatum, yeah. Ryan Johnson being blown off the ball. Absolutely blown off the ball. You're seeing Mrs. Simons. You're seeing and again, this is all coaching. You're seeing an 18-year-old Wanya Morris making the first start at left tackle in Tennessee football history's opener since 
I heard you guys talk about in college football today. You just you don't know. It, yeah. it, it's not a thing. And then you're putting him at left guard in the third quarter. What are you doing? That just I mean, you're getting whipped all over the board, and it's just it's man. Do, do it's think, not good. Do you think the coaches were like stick to the game plan, stick to the game plan? This is experimental. Let's find out who our best five are. And then before they knew it, they realized they were so deep in the hole they had to go into break glass in case of emergency mode, and it was too late. Well, here's the thing, yeah, because they they continue to rotate and rotate and rotate and rotate. Sure. So they stuck to the game plan the whole game. Right. They never. I kept waiting for that. Okay. You know, obviously you're not good enough to win experimenting. Let's let's get the guys out there that you thought and then and kick I'm it still, in gear. I'm still catching heat about it even here this morning. People are like still they were still comment retweeting the whole I still think Tennessee is gonna cover the twenty six point yeah. spread because you, you just um, I know. you just assumed yeah. Tennessee's gonna be like, All right, second half adjustments. Let's get serious. let's let's get serious. And it wasn't because I thought Tennessee was that much better than Georgia State, it was because I didn't think Georgia State had the talent to just compete with the SEC. Eventually, people are like, there's no such thing as SEC talent. Against a former FCS opponent and against an FBS team that's only, as you've already pointed out, six years of age. And again, 2-10 and ten last year. You just think to I mean, yourself, okay, cream, top, it rised. And I, Let's I go. saw that tweet in real time, sitting in the press box at halftime, and I was like, oh. But, I mean, yeah, I, I get what he's saying. Tennessee's going to come out here and put it away. Because if you looked at the stats at halftime, I pointed it out, I tweeted it out, I was texting a couple people. Tennessee... So a tide, right? or no, 17-14 was the score. Tennessee kicked a field goal ahead in the half. Tennessee dominated stats-wise the first half. Should have been absolutely drilling. They got the short field on the on the fumble. It was an interception. It was a bad decision, whatever, uh, on the first drive. Tennessee should have been dominating. So you just expected it to come alive in the second half, and it never did. And, I mean, I'm being very critical here. It's our jobs. Uh, um, and, and deservingly so. I'm not trying to just completely shut on the coaches and all the way through, but I, I, I really think from the top to the bottom, the coaching staff fumbled this game because of the experimentation they wanted to do and just just not knowing that as a team, just Tennessee right now, not good enough to do that against anybody. And it showed, obviously. You know, credit Georgia State. They whipped them at the line of scrimmage. Quarterback Dan Ellington had a heck of a game. I mean, t- on Tennessee and third downs, goodness gracious, it tore them apart. Daryl Taylor still looking oh, for his cleats out there. It's not just third down. Yeah. It was third and short. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know how many times Tennessee should have probably just held them at the line of scrimmage and not moved the chains? If you look at third and short, I believe, if I remember correctly reading it, any third down – I mean, they, they converted 57% of their third downs, did They were Georgia 10 State. of 17. All right, so maybe I'm off on the percentage a little bit there doing the quick math. Okay, no, it's, it's roughly in the mid-50s. They, they converted a lot more than they, than they did. But look when they did it. It's not – it would be – it was just like they can't stop it. So third and two, yep. get off. Third and three, draw them in a little bit, pitch it. Tennessee and – it, and it goes back to Daryl Taylor's comment. I asked him. Last question of the press conference. Hey, Daryl, Garantano just said that he felt like that the offense worked hard and they did their job. Do you feel like you guys did the same thing? Not only did he say no, but he was like, I don't feel like we watched enough film. I felt like we weren't prepared for this game. It's like and just about that on Monday. How can you how can you you had seven, eight months to prepare it's, for Georgia it's game State? Game one. It's game one. And Jeremy Pruitt was asked about that Monday and just kind of laid it aside and said, you know, I felt like our players were prepared. I felt like we got in the film room enough. We we had a we had a game. I, I believe Jeremy Pruitt. There was no part of practice leading up to that game that made him go. Red flag, red flag, red flag. Go to his coaching staff and go, boys, here are red flags. Can we improve it, or do we not have the talent yet to improve it? And then I hear him say, we just don't have the guys yet. Out of everything Jeremy Pruitt said this week, there was one, excuse me, there was one thing I disagreed with, and he was just like, 
you know, if you want to play at Tennessee, come here. We just don't have the talent yet. You say that in year one. You can say we don't have the talent yet in year one because I'm a new coach. I'm trying to lay the landscape. But all we've heard during the offseason was I established better relationships. We were past the build the program. Now I'm getting to the point in time where I've got Craig Fitzgerald getting these guys bigger and stronger. I mean, we were led to believe that this team was going to be ready to go. Now, saying they were going to go from 5-7 and seven to 9-3, and three, okay, that's a little much. But they did not look like they improved. Yeah. And if I have to say out loud to people around me, is there a chance this defense is going to be worse than the defense last year? Strong possibility it could be. A couple of things. I don't want to take over the show here, but I do want to hit on a few things. Um, I went on I went on the airwaves numerous times at the, at the beginning of camp. You know, Kaner, what's the biggest takeaway from the team so far? They're bigger. They look like an SEC football team. They're bigger. They're bigger. They're bigger. Yeah, they're bigger. You can tell that the progression in the weight room, it, it was it was a good offseason. You can tell. Right. But on the field of play, between the lines and the whistles, wow. No, it still looked weak. It still looked so weak. I mean, they, they look so – I mean, that was kind of like – I'm like, wow, man, I'm eating my words right now. They're getting just manhandled out there. What are the chances? Now that the game is 96 hours in the rearview mirror, what are the chances this game was simply won by Georgia State because they had experience, they know how to line up right, they knew how to do the – I hate to use the word because we're talking about college kids. What are the chances Georgia State just knew how to do fundamental football? You know, it's funny. I would normally – I would stop you and say doesn't matter, bigger, faster, stronger. There is a thing as SEC football. but. Yeah. You make a great point. Again, I mentioned return nine on defense, seven on offense. Not making excuses. But I'm just trying letter to figure out what the problem is. Yeah, and, and when you have guys that can't line up, and when right. you have linebackers who are either a true freshman or a third-year junior that hasn't played a lot of linebacker and they can't correct it, I mean, that's what you run into. So you're seeing guys that have been in the system, have played a lot of football, know how to play their game. And then you have these guys who are obviously bigger, faster, and stronger and more talented but have no clue what's going on. So, I mean, I think there's something to that narrative for sure. And, I mean, normally I would say hell no because it's SEC against Sunbelt. But I think that you can't really dismiss that comment. Talking with former strength coach of Tennessee, Johnny Long, not pleased with, uh, with, with what he saw from the guys in terms of the strength and conditioning from the offseason. At least he said in game one, <laughs> not pleased. So, you know, we've been giving Pat Fitzgerald, excuse me, Craig Fitzgerald, and rightfully so. Again, the team is bigger. The team looks better. Um, giving him a lot of praise in the offseason. And, again, it's one game. It's one game. But uh, not a very good opening game. Tennessee still looks weaker than crap. Um, Got to find some bright spots. What were your bright spots in this game? Okay, sure. I can do bright spots for you. Because, I mean, Tennessee, there's 11 games left. Got to move on, you know? I thought Brandon Kennedy performed well. You mean the one guy that played every offensive snap that didn't rotate in and out? You, I thought, and, you and I both went back-to-back. Back. Hey, how hard was it for you when you had different guards every series? Oh, was it? No, but really. Tell us, how hard was it for the, you? The fair part about that, about those series of questions, you hit him with it, and then I was like, no, 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 go after it. And then good on Austin Price from VolQuest, who was like, no, to elaborate on that, it was three opportunities to be like, look, we and look, I understand we're in this Belichick saving. Don't give him too much. Just do the – I mean, you know, out of all the players they gave us, which I'm very surprised the university gave us as many players, including certain players that they did, the one guy who just kept – you could put a quarter in the jukebox, but you were going to get the same song every time was Marquez Calloway. I mean, we just didn't – I mean, we just were better than this. We just 
They didn't give you too much. It was just this is what it is at face value. I think, I think Brandon Kennedy is, and we'll get back to the game in a second, I think he's nice, well-respected, you know, good football player, a guy you want to put out, but he's the type of guy that you put out there and says, all right, I know what Brandon's going to say here. He's going to say the same thing. He's not going to give anything. Yesterday during the media availability, again, I pressed him, and I did a follow-up, and I did, a, and I let some, and then I did another follow-up, just trying to get him to say. And I feel bad because, like, I mean, we're in this industry. We're trained on how to get the information we need in a creative way, and you know, there are get, some people you ask the same question, you just present it a different way. Exactly. I call it. I call it elementary school lunch. It's still the same mystery meat, yeah. right? Monday you have pizza. Tuesday you have tacos. <laughs> Wednesday you have meatloaf. Thursday, you have sloppy joes. It's the same thing. Guess what? And I feel bad about it sometimes because, I mean, and a guy like Theo Jackson, I did the same thing yesterday for Theo Jackson. I was like, oh, wow. The Theo Jackson, I started cringing like you already know what he's going to say. And he would just, and then to change his answer, he was just taking buzzwords away that, so like somebody would ask the basic question, what color is the sky outside? Of course, I'm. This is a paraphrase. We, yeah. Nobody asked this question, but it's just like, "Hey, Theo, what color is the sky outside?" Oh, it's blue outside today with some white clouds. But no, really, if you look at how the climate's changing and it's a little humid outside, Theo, the sky outside. Well, I'll tell you, with the humidity that's in right now, those white clouds. I mean, you got a little blue, but that yellow sun comes out, and it's just like he changed his answers because he was taking some of the supplies you were giving him. I and genuinely his own ingredients. In. I asked him about the misalignments. And then some more people get, and then someone else asked about the misalignments again. Because, again, we're trying to get an answer. And, then, by the way, and he's this, being courteous because it's like, how many times can I answer the question? This is what you're getting out of me. Exactly. And I feel bad for some of the – especially Same a guy like Theo dance. Jackson. Has he ever talked to the media before? No. And so, I mean, I was kind of just like courtroom, like going. And then I come back around, and I said, said, Theo, was it on the coaches getting in the calls late? And he just stops and freezes, and, he, and it's like he doesn't know what to say. And I, I genuinely kind of felt bad. I'm like, man, first time he's talking to the media, he doesn't know what to it's say. It's so funny because we and talk it, about the – He stumbles around, and then he spits out the same answer again. You know how we're talking about Georgia State's the game where you get out there and you find out who your best players are and put them in rotation? Yeah. Usually spring practice and media availabilities that are like 12, 16 weeks until it's actual game action – you start throwing players out there, and then you go back and hear the SIDs, hear how they respond to questions, and those are the guys usually you throw to the media come, come season time because yeah. you know, oh, they're going to give the media that what they want, audio, but it's not going to be anything that's juicy or any kind of meat to it. And I feel like that even then, Jeremy Pruitt's going to decide, all right, here's the guys that I can't put out there. Here are the guys yeah. I can put out there. <laughs> it's so funny, just the, the back-and-forth nature of asking questions. You know, with Pruitt, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but when you're in a press conference setting and you're asking Pruitt a question, if you ask Pruitt a question that he doesn't know the answer to or he doesn't want to answer right away, he'll ask you to repeat it. And then he'll, that'll, get, that'll bomb 10, 10 more seconds, and he'll think about what he wants to say, and then he'll spit it back out. You know, at the very beginning of the, of the season or of camp, Jimmy couldn't go to a lot of these press conferences. And Jimmy, in typical Jimmy fashion, would email me, not text me. He would e- we text, by the way, but he would email me. And he would ask. He would put the question in the headline, and the body would be blank. But he would put the question in the head. Ask Pruitt. Da 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 da. da and I'm like, I don't want to ask him that. But you know, I had to do it because you know, when Jimmy, you know, it's when weird. Jimmy Himes asked you to do something, you do it. And so I would ask him these questions, and it was very uncomfortable. And he would just say, "Can you repeat the question, please?" And then he would. It was usually about Trey Smith, and he would find some some way to go about it again. You know what's weird? What you're going to see that change eventually. Because how can I say this in a way? You know what? I've known you long enough. I can just say this. If Jimmy Himes sits up there and asks the question, 
Pruitt knows, okay, Jimmy Himes is asking me this question. I know how Jimmy's going to – not that Jimmy would change it, but he's like, all right, John Adams is asking the question. Jimmy Himes is asking this question. David Ubbins asking this question. He sees you ask the question, a guy that he's starting to get to know because it's your first full season on the beat, and he can be like, eh, blah, 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 and then blow it off. Oh, yeah. Eventually, you're going to start building that relationship with Pruitt, and he's going to start realizing Eric Kane, WWK, WNML. Yeah. Okay, I know where he's going. And then he's going to be able to start. And then you're going to get from the whole polite, short answer to the, well, as I've told you before, Eric, uh, and it's just going to be that polite, like, shut the hell up, you know what you're getting out of me comment. Didn't, And it's going to come with that. And the second he does it, you're going to be like, yep, okay, I've graduated. Yeah, I'll ask a couple more questions. And I, last Wednesday, a week ago from today, didn't want to talk about Jeremy Banks at linebacker. You're going to start getting that Zach Snipe I, look. Yeah, I said, I said, Coach, is Jeremy Banks even – does he know how to play linebacker right now? Can he play a lot of snaps? Yes. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> You're eventually going to get that look, and Will had to bring me up to it. Apparently Will, – Will didn't tell me this in the beginning, but apparently I asked Butch Jones a question, and – I made a comment about it after we played the audio back when Heather and I were still And then Will came to me one time and was like, yeah, apparently there's uh, somebody on the staff over here at NML that I've been told that Butch isn't the biggest fan of. And I was like, oh, wow, who could it be? Not thinking once it was me. And then he was like, yeah, yeah. I've kind of learned through the grapevine with a couple of people there that your boy Ivan's on the morning show that Butch isn't the biggest fan. <laughs> New so guy on the block. There's a time now that, like, I'll ask so questions, hilarious. definitely post, because I, I, I mean, I just don't. I, I'm not there with Kaner there. He, he obviously does the lifting for us. But, like, there are times, too, where, like, there'll be questions and people are peppering it, and I'll just raise my hand, and then I'll see Stipe, like, look around, see me, like, go to right my – and then look up at me again, like, oh, God, am I actually going to get Tyler? And it, I, and this is just me, and maybe I'm completely dead wrong on this, but I don't think I am. There was – they were peppering Garantano with questions, and I raised my hand, and you see Zach kind of look at me and then write my name down. And before he calls on me, he dismisses Garantano because he thinks I'm going to ask Tano the question. But really, I want Daryl Taylor. And it no. was like, this question's for Daryl Taylor. And it was kind of like, damn it. <laughs> and the, but the question was fair. I don't think I'm ever unfair. You know what? In a media in our position, ask the question you want to ask. You should never be intimidated to ask the question you want to ask because what's true. the worst thing that they can say? The way I look at it, you know, no the comment. media a lot of times gets such a bad rap, especially this day in social media oh, and course. Twitter. And uh, stupid questions get stupid responses. Da, 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 da. I mean, I understand. Be respectful. You have a job to do. He has a job to do. It's tab dancing. You got to go about it a certain way. But at the end of the day, they don't have to answer it. They don't but you have, have to, to ask it. They don't have to answer it. Number one, at the at the end of the day, Jeremy Pruitt's making three point eight million dollars to be the head coach of Tennessee a year, and part of his job sure. is answering our questions, or at least. Hearing us out sure. and meeting with us, and so what ask, does Jeremy ask your questions. Expect? Ask your questions. This, this is arguably the biggest loss in Tennessee football history. Oh yeah, you brought it up at the top of the podcast. I'm 33 years of age. I remember staying up late watching Peyton Manning in '96 go over to Memphis at the Liberty Bowl and being like, "They're they're going to win this game. They're 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 going to they're going to win this game." And then I remember sitting. And, 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 you, and you know what? I'll go ahead and just point this out here right now. Um, growing up, I became the Tennessee fan that I became. And, and, look, I've had to pull back on the reins, obviously playing a neutral party because of what I do for a living. But everybody knows, you know, I attended Tennessee. I was My family has been season ticket holders for so long. The reason why I was able to attend those games is because one of those two sets of season tickets belonged to my uncle, Arthur Murphy, graduate of the University of Tennessee, has a master's degree from Tennessee, um, my uncle actually lost his life two days ago. He passed away. 
and I knew he was sick during the Georgia State game. And this this might be a little deep. This might be a deep cut, but I feel like I put I can put it on the podcast because I know we like to be honest. But I knew I was getting updates from my mom when I was in the press box, and she was like, "I don't know if your uncle's going to pull through this." And he essentially, they put him on life support like sun, Saturday night, Sunday morning at like twelve thirty in the morning. And I remember there. I remember when I found out yesterday morning that he had passed away. I did not find it ironic that the day people are saying Tennessee football died was the same day my uncle passed away, essentially. And it was his season tickets. We would He would fly in from Texas, or he would send me the tickets, and I would go with a friend or one of his fraternity brothers. Yeah. And I remember he was there at the Wyoming 08 game with me right after Fulmer had passed – or passed – after Fulmer had been dismissed. Passed the torch, yeah. Yeah, and I just remember sitting there going, I'll never experience another loss – like watching Tennessee lose to Wyoming, and then coincidentally, the man who took me to all my Tennessee games and helped me kind of raise the stakes of becoming a Tennessee fan, like it happened. And I, you know, coincidentally, he also kicked the bucket at the same time. And I just, I remember just sitting there post game and then walking around the field, like looking at the seats of like the the season tickets that my folks own and the season tickets he still has. And I just remember just sitting there going, oh, "Wow." It's no secret that I was here when this happened, and it was just—it's just eerie because Tennessee football yeah. family, how it all comes together. But back to Jeremy Pruitt. Sorry about your uncle. This is completely off subject. But when former passed the torch, was that was Dave Clawson, right? Interim Dave Clawson. Clawson. Okay, and then Cheney was Dooley's interim. Yes. Okay. Correct. Continue. So, and it just—you know—I just—I just remember sitting there. It just looking back at my life of growing up, doing vol walks, and growing up, and being a part of the opening of the tea and. Every single time, you know, it kind of hit me a little closer than it did. And this isn't the listen to Ivan's over here going to the pity street because he's a Tennessee. And that's not what I'm doing. It's just I remembered my uncle a lot longer and thought about him a lot more. Those times he would stand in line with me for two and a half hours just so I could get Peyton Manning's autograph at an orange and white game. Yeah. And just thinking of how many times I've watched games that I thought it can't get any worse because I watched this team come in here and do this. And then the Georgia State game happened, and I just thought, $3.8 $3.8 million, you're going to have to answer to this music. And you know what? Maybe this is just a, I can't say a minor footnote because it's Georgia State. It will always be remembered. But what the hell happens if Tennessee comes out on Saturday? Two situations. One, what if they beat BYU and then we're sitting here Monday morning ahead of UTC going, what? we have no I idea wanna, what's going on. But then what happens if they start 0-2? I want to get our predictions for BYU at the end um, because I have some – been hearing a lot. Obviously, we're in Sports Talk Radio. I've heard all of our panelists. Um, I've, I've you know, seen some national media, some other beat riders on the Hill, and some different opinions on how you know they, they think Tennessee might respond sure. to the outcome of the game. I have my input on that, and uh, I want to talk about that here in a little bit. But back to what before I took us off on a on a no, tangent. No, before I started reading my grandfather, <laughs> my no, uncle's eulogy. That, Brandy Kennedy was a bright spot. Yay! Um, I would assume Eric Gray being a bright spot. Um, Eric Gray was a bright spot, and it just shows you the trust they already have in him. Oh, yeah. Where they're like, Ty Chandler's been the workhorse, and everybody knows Ty Chandler has to be the guy for Tennessee to be good. And then the entire second half, they were like, "Nope, this is a good time." It's for us just to so tell funny you. because I thought Chandler played a really put put the ball on the ground twice though. Lost one of them. you can't you can't do that. And I'm not putting that fumble on him. Drive one on him. I mean, come on, that Garantano threw that like a missile. 
and it, it's tough behind the line of scrimmage. I, Ch- Chandler never had possession of the football, but then right. he, he put it on the ground again later on was able to over, was able to jump back on but it. That goes back to Georgia State being at the right place. Yeah. Right, let, lined up, ready to defend that play. And correct me if I'm Georgia wrong, State. they ran a bubble to the short side. Yep. Why? Why? There was, okay, and, 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 see, and that's another thing. And, again, if, I don't want to completely focus on every wart from Georgia State, but going back and seeing it live and then rewatching it, I'm going to be – I'm all about not opening up the entire playbook if you're Jim Chaney because you still got SEC play to come. I went back and rewatched that game, and there were certain times where I'm like, Jim Chaney called that? Yeah. Third and two, and your fifth best option is Austin Pope? A, you Austin can find somebody Pope. but B, but Pope's got Pope's to be past the chains. Austin Pope's got to know. Wait, that's a fifth-year guy, right? Yeah. Or fourth-year guy, upperclassman. Experienced. you got to go to the, to the daggum markets. I used to be so mad at Dobbs. Because Dobbs would over, Dobbs would shake off a guy that's at the markers and throw one of the markers. I'm like, what are you doing? That pass from Garantano to Pope. I mean, yeah, why are you calling that? Why do you have that personnel in there? Go to the markers. It's third and two. I mean, you're going to throw a little dump out to the flat there to your tight end. At least go to the marker. It's just that, that's that's low football IQ, and that's you know Georgia State didn't do that, you know, because they're experienced. Um, Ty Chandler, I thought had a pretty good game. Got you can't fumble the football. I was still kind of shot. Didn't get a touch in the second half. Now, Tennessee went to the pass, the aerial attack, a lot in the second half. Um, very, very surprised there. By the way, Jeremy Pruitt said Monday, the first 55 snaps on offense, not one quarterback hurry. Bullcrap. <laughs> that's not true. Now, the last, what do you say, the last 20 plays, four sacks, that's accurate. Um, there were some QB hurries there. There were some QB hits in the first 55. But I, to his point, it was a lot better in the first half than the second half. Yeah. Um, I thought Eric Gray played very well. I, I like his circle spin move. Uh, I think he uses it a lot too much. Jam the button. Much. Jam the button. Um, but joystick. I, joystick. I, I do like that. I thought Brandon Kennedy, to your point, had a pretty solid game. Good good coming out party for him, considering West Virginia last year was not a good showing for him. I'll say that, too. And plus, if you, you would know better than me, there are some whispers, some wink-winks, that if the Brandon Kennedy experiment did not succeed. Jerome Carvin. They're ready to throw Jerome Carvin yep. in there immediately. Mm-hmm. So. Jerome Carvin. Ryan John, if, if push came to shove and Kennedy had to go down or had to come out for some reason and Ryan Johnson was not in the ball game, I still think Ryan Johnson would go back to center. But Jerome Carvin's your backup center. He's getting all the backup reps. Um, Jerome Carvin, they want Jerome Carvin to play. Played a little last year. Versatile and interior guy. Oh, I remember when they got both him and um, Jeremy Jameer. Banks oh, out yeah, of from the, the same Banks from the same yeah. high school. They were very high because Banks a high energy back. Oh, yeah. Jerome Carvin very good when it comes to first move, mm-hmm. and it just I I think that they want those guys on the field so much so with Banks. It's just kind of like, up. Oh, we know why Banks is on the defensive side of the ball. Clearly, Eric Gray passed him on the depth chart. Might be true, but guess what? Banks, I thought, had a did – he, did he stand out with a yellow highlighter? No, but I went and watched – there was – I was rewinding two particular dri- uh, drives. I watched three times in a row, and I would just watch Banks, not follow the ball. If, the ca- if he was in the camera, if he was in my square of my television, I stayed with Banks. I thought, okay, Banks Banks did a nice job of hunting the ball, but you can, til- you can still tell there is some – growth there at the linebacker Jeremy position. Banks played in his first game as a linebacker. Okay, He practiced linebacker all week last year prior to the, I want to say, South Carolina game. I can't remember. Ended up leading the team in, in, in carries <laughs> at running back. So this was his first game actually playing a linebacker. Saw a high-energy guy. As you said, ball hawking. Um, running around full speed, giving great efforts, making a couple of plays, made a whole lot of mistakes. Expected. 
he was raw. The, the, the word raw is how I would describe that. Um, not knowing how to play linebacker, running under blocks instead of over the top, taking himself out of position to make plays. Everyone's trying to rave and rave and rave about that hit he had on the quarterback, and, and it was a nice hit. That wasn't his blitz. That was for the, I believe it was for the nickel, but they had bunch set to the far side, so it passed down to Banks. Came off, made a clean hit on the guy. It was good. Um, and, and that stuff will come in reps. And, and Jeremy Pruitt said it too. I mean, j- just to get game experience. He'll learn how to play linebacker again and all that stuff. But I, I was pleased with Banks. Uh, a long way to go, but I, nothing nothing glaring there. Kennedy. Henry Tuotuo, I thought, Tuo-tuo. in the first half. Dude, I, I'm excited for this kid. He's He is a linebacker. His steps, his read, uh, you know, the way he, he just needs to know the defense more. Help be that guy out there to get everyone lined up and and run. I, I'm I don't. I, I I'll say this. I didn't are, like the Banks read the entire time in the second half. I was not a fan of that. There uh, there are a lot of people who are wondering if Corvaris Crouch and JJ Peterson will be fulfilled their, I guess their ceiling. They're fulfilled their actual talents once they go from high school to college. Toto immediately jumps to the top there, and Crouch already with an NFL body, as they say. Let's see if he can start getting more reps. JJ Peterson, as you've told me. Not on this podcast and not on the air, but Peterson looks like he's still got a ways to go when it comes to effort. Oh, yeah. Maybe that'll improve. But I will say two other guys that come to mind, uh, I guess you got to give a passing grade to Elante what's Taylor, this? but there wasn't a lot of big passing plays where Taylor was involved. What's to say that Henry Tuoto, or excuse me, what's to say that Jeremy Banks got moved, played, what, probably 25 snaps on defense? They, I don't think you – I don't have Peterson to answer that question. Stiff- Tells yeah. you all you need to know. Yeah. How many times have they said, we got to learn basics, and if you practice well, you will play. Yep. And guess what? We're seeing who's playing, and that tells us all we need to know about practice. Alante Taylor, uh, to your point, yeah, he and uh, was it him and him and Schamberger had that. That was the other one, but I didn't want you to think I was going to go on the Schamberger hype train again. That's a hell of a hit by Schamberger. <laughs> no, hey, I'm I'm on the uh, I'm on the Schamberger hype train this week. Schamberger made a. They all did. Schamberger made a lot of mistakes, a ton of mistakes. That touchdown right before the half from BYU, before Tennessee drove it down to kick the field goal, before Tennessee was content with running out the clock, before the long game from Juwan Jennings, and they kicked the field goal. Uh, the drive prior when, the, when when Georgia State scored, they were running cover one. Warren Burrell led the receiver inside. He was still trailing him. It should have been closer up on him. But Schamberger was late coming across to, uh, to apply pressure. That one's on Schamberger. Um, missed a couple of tackles, was in the wrong place at times, but uh, – if you play hard and you are running all over that field and you're making tackles, I tip my cap to you. Sean Schamberger was all over the field on Saturday and really just shows you why he got that stripe removed first, Tyler. I'm going to keep referencing that. <laughs> I mean, you could talk about – There um, were two times on Saturday when I leaned down because we were sitting in two different rows of the press box and said, hey, Tyler, Schamberger. I said, hey, Tyler, JG, 31 pass attempts. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, – Schamberger, I'll take a double with cheese. Just keep that up. Garantano – Tano, he just <sighs> did he lose the game for Tennessee? Absolutely no. not. Did he play his worst game for Tennessee? Probably. He did not play a very good game. Uh, okay. Let's take the final shovel of dirt, pat it on flat on the grave that is Georgia State, and let's move to BYU. Anything else that stands out about the Panthers? Just again, my main takeaways from that game. Obviously, you take out the historical context. You talk about the the loss. You take out the. Um, the inexperience and the, and the new guys, you take all that away. The coaching, the coaching heading into the game, Jeremy Pruitt mentioned numerous times they got outcoached. Um, my biggest takeaway, and this will lead me into BYU. Good. And this, is, this is why. This is why as of Wednesday, and again, I'll be at practice tonight. I'll see a couple. I'll see you a little bit more. But as of right now, I'm picking Tennessee to lose against BYU because what I saw from that defensive line was horrendous. 
that might have been the worst performance from a defensive line unit that I've seen in SEC football in quite some time. If you can't get a push. That Arkansas defense last year. If you can't get a push, if you get manhandled. Listen to Ivan's over here acting like he watched a lot of Arkansas football last year because I did. Wink, wink, coin. Uh, That defensive line has got to improve. Tennessee cannot rely on blitzing an outside backer, blitzing a nickel to apply pressure. You've got to get that from the interior defensive line. Aubrey Solomon, Savion Williams, Darrell Middleton, Matthew Butler, John Mincy, um, Greg Emerson, you've got – to us. And I said this Monday, and I felt I felt kind of bad about saying it on air, but this is the podcast, I'll say it here. Um, essentially, you've got to man up. I mean, you've got to man up and play your spot because that was awful. So because of the poor, poor performance of that offensive, uh, that defensive line, I'm not even taking offensive line in consideration here. Uh, you know, BYU, you got a quarterback that's a lot better than Dan Ellington. Got a quarterback that if you force some things with him, maybe he'll turn the football over. It's what he did against Utah. Um, I just I don't like that at all. And then you flip that, you uh, BYU's defense, Tyler, played pretty well against Utah. Played very well. Okay, I, I thought played well enough to give your team a chance to win the ball game. They run an odd front, multiple. They'll go three man. They'll go four man. Sometimes they'll go five man. They'll disguise some things, moving some backers and some secondary guys up into the box. You looking at the performance of the offensive line? How easily it was confused on Saturday. I just think, again, it's going to be a long game at the line of scrimmage. And uh, so that's why uh, heading into BYU, I'm, I'm a little eh, uh, but mostly because that defensive line unit, I've got to see more from that on Saturday. Is this something that you believe that can be fixed in a six-day, five-and-a-half-day? No, uh, I, I think there can be improvement. I think that it's just, as Jeremy Pruitt said, and I'm sorry, I'm carrying water here, um, reps, repetition, repetition, repetition. Teams will get better as the season goes on. Players will get better, and I do agree that I do agree with that. I mean, I got better every single football season from game one to game ten. Um, am I going to see? Are we going to see a notable difference? I don't think so, but I do think it'll improve a little bit, and hopefully, you know, by October you're feeling a lot better about the D line than you do right now. So six day six day turnaround, no, but improvement, yes. BYU to me is that football team every year that you know what you're going to get out of them. You're going to get fundamentals. Sometimes the offense, they can't answer what the defense is doing for them. The defense is all – what's BYU football known for? Okay, you look back at the years of Detmer, McMahon, Young, and you're like, oh, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. This isn't your 70s and 80s BYU teams anymore. McMahon, huh? Jim McMahon. Yeah. Jim McMahon. Grant Ramey was decked out. Oh, I saw. I didn't know Ramey was a Bears fan. I don't know. I don't really know Grant that well. He's nice. I don't know him. But he uh, was decked out in the McMahon gear yesterday. <laughs> This is what I'll say. Recently, and I was a huge BYU guy when Bronco Mendenhall, current Virginia coach Bronco Mendenhall was in, in, uh, in Provo. This team's going to run the football, and they're going to be sound on both sides of the ball. On every, the line. On the line. Every offensive lineman at least 22 years or older. Now, granted, you know, the mission trips, you go out, you do your calling, you come back, you play. Every single one of them are at least 22 years of age. And that's another reason why experience. You know, I think BYU knows they're going to be able to run the football down Tennessee's throat. Yep. That's why the importance of Daniel Batuli. That's why the pers- – like, okay, say what you will about the inconsistencies of Daryl Taylor. If there's any game Daryl Taylor's going to have one of those games, guess what? Rub that genie bottle and say, yep, Saturday night. It's not against a top 25 team, though, can you? Just- <laughs> Rub that genie bottle and you go. You need it. You need uh, it. You get three wishes for 2019. Uh, BYU. Yeah. Done. Done. It's so hard saying that a week two contest is a must win, but if Tennessee wants to be bowl eligible, sure, 
This is a must win for Tennessee. Tennessee doesn't beat BYU. I think their season's over. They're definitely going to be one and four going into Mississippi State. They could be one and five going into Bama. I saw a joke on Twitter earlier. I forgot what it said. Let me pause you real quick. Go what, ahead. If, what if they go one and six after Bama? They have to then run the table to become bowl eligible. And that's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. No. Missouri did lose over the weekend. Not a good showing. Like the Carolina idea now that Bentley's out. South Carolina loss as well. You hate that for Jake Bentley. You know, um, broken foot, right? Yeah. Out about six weeks at least. You hate that. But, yeah, that's not going to If you're one and six, you're not running the table. Yeah, you're not. Um because you still got to play. Could Tennessee, could Tennessee fans take another five and seven season? I think the uh, probably not. I mean, I don't think Pruitt gets fired if they go five and seven. No, I don't think so either. If they go two and ten, and I think he does. I don't think they're going to go two and ten. I don't either. I still think they beat. I don't either. I still think I don't they beat Vanderbilt. I'm not writing off the season. My season prediction, I will say, has changed from seven and five to six and six. Yeah. But I'm not writing off the season. It was one game. It was Wait, a. It's still six and six, and you have them losing to BYU. Oh, well, yeah, now that you bring it, uh, yeah, shoot. They lose to BYU, there's no way they get six. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Wow, I just said it there. Uh, yeah, well, I guess I'm five and seven now. Mm. Jeremy Pruitt. So I asked the question again. He's not getting, fans going to be okay with five and seven? No, 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 no. They're not Jeremy gonna Pruitt let go five and seven? No, no. Jeremy Pruitt going 10 and 14 his first two years. It's not great. He's not let go. I think the. Oh, only, I don't think he is either. I'm I think just, the only how close way, is it? I think the only way Pruitt gets let go is if you go winless in the SEC, like a like a t- two and ten, or maybe a three and nine type deal with an SEC win. I, if you're less than four wins, I think I think yeah maybe. I I don't I think outside of the but bottom, I don't think Tennessee's going to be that bad. Yeah, outside of the bottom completely falling out. Yeah, yeah, and that that would be the bottom absolutely falling out. Uh, Brian Maurer should be able to start a quarterback against UTC and win that football game. Should. Should. I mean, that's that's. I'm not trying to you know harp on UTC, but that's just kind of how it is. So, I um I everyone's everyone. I don't want to say overreacting because after what happened on Saturday, fans have every right to be mad, angry, upset. Will said it this morning. You know, Tennessee's got to earn that trust and that. That fandom bag, just have to. It is what it is. That's what happens when you lose to Georgia State. Again, a team that was 2-10, 10 years old, six years in the FBS. Um, but I, I, the season is not over. Tennessee can improve. Tennessee is a better football team than Georgia State. Just wasn't on Saturday. Um, I do think things will improve. I think you'll get better efforts. So I don't think the season's over. But, man, it was not a good start. And uh, bowl eligibility is hinging for sure. This is a must win. This is a must win. God, I hate those cliches, especially September the 7th, but it absolutely is. Yeah. Can you imagine this team goes – can you imagine Pruitt goes 10-14? and 14? I'm just let's, – let's say it's 5-7. and seven. Can you imagine this team goes 10-14 and 14 in two years, and next year your schedule includes Oklahoma? Now, granted, you'll get Florida and Bama back at home again, but even putting Bama in the same conversation isn't fair. I just – you know what? I'm going to go finding Nemo here. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Got to. Just, you know. All the players yesterday were asked, da-da-da, da-da-da. They were, they were Bart Scott. They were on, on to BYU, on to Cincinnati. You, got, you have to. And you have to. You're right. It's like, yeah, you can look back, you can learn, you can reflect, but it's over with. You can't If you don't grow it. from a mistake and yeah. if you don't pick yourself up after getting punched in the mouth, 
what's the point of even fighting? Yeah, exactly. So, and again, you know, I mean, it's not like these guys, you know, I've been on some bad teams before. It's not like you're trying to go out there and lose. You're going out there, you're working every single day. You're, you, you love running out there in front of what we'll probably call, what, 83 on Saturday? 83,000. Jimmy's count was what? Oh, he U- thought it was in the 70s. Oh, you're right. Uh, UT announced 85. Jimmy thought it was 70 and 75. Yeah. Okay. Well, you ru- you love running out there in front of a bunch of screaming fans who will have beer on Saturday. Hello. Here's um, my thing. People out there who are like, give them the tickets up. It's a night game national television against an opponent like BYU. Do I think 100,000 people will be there? No. Nope. Do I believe there will be 90,000 there? Yes. Really? I really do believe so. I was thinking probably, probably around 75 again. What will Tennessee announce? If Jimmy's estimations are 75, then Tennessee will announce between 80 and 85. What was it like the, the spring game? Tennessee announced 66. It's really like 33. <laughs> That's different, though. It's, it's sold. Tickets sold. Yeah. But I don't know. It's a must-win, man. I, I don't want to be sitting on this podcast next week talking about Tennessee 0-2. If Tennessee, do you, if Tennessee bounces back, obviously plays better, is Tennessee still good enough to beat BYU? Yes, Tennessee has the talent to beat BYU, but they have to understand that the game plan on BYU is what everybody knows it is. They are going to be physical on the line on both sides, and you know they're going to try to beat you with the run. The reason why they're so effective with the run is because that means they're controlling the clock and you're not getting possessions. That means Jim Chaney in the offense, you need to throw everything at BYU and worry about those other opponents when the other opponents happen. Exactly. Get, Get that dub. Get that dub. You got to get that dub for the sanity of this fan base, and for the sanity of the players, and not losing them. You have to get this win. Let me backtrack just a real, just just a little bit. I know we're about to wrap things up, but you know, I'm talking about the coaches came in and treated Georgia State as an experiment, a big experiment, because you, you thought that you had it in the bag. Should you ever do that? Absolutely not. Do I blame them for doing that? No, because let's be real. Let's have honesty hour here. It's Georgia freaking state. Right. Anybody? I mean, we're sitting there. I'm giving my price report on on Friday talking about how, you know, um, Tennessee's going to – I gave my prediction on WIVK 45-7. I didn't think Georgia State would would score over 10 points. You know, we're doing all that. It's Georgia State. They could go and win the Sun Belt this year, but it's still – that loss is still inexcusable. Um there's a lot of people who believe they won't even win their division. They were picked last in their division. I mean, two and ten last year. Yeah, so I don't know. Got to move on. So do I blame the coaches for treating that game like that? No, because that's what you do. You pay someone to come in here. You try some things. You get that W. You pay them their money, and you go on. You move on with your season. That's how football works. By the way, did you see the troll job Georgia State did in their yes. ticket package? Uh, hats off. Job well done. It wasn't so much the upset. It was more the ticket price, the 38 38-20. Or thirty-eight thirty, that's, that's buy funny. tickets to see your Georgia State Panthers for thirty-eight dollars and thirty cents. I think that's hilarious. That's great. Good, good, on, good them. on them. Whoever's in the their marketing department's got a big job waiting for them somewhere else. We'll say Tyler during our podcast here today. I will say that Jeremy Pruitt did meet on the did meet. He took part in the SEC teleconference. Wide receiver Jordan Murphy, defensive back Terrell uh, Terrell Bailey has left the football team. Jordan Murphy obviously made headlines for retweeting jokes about the Georgia State loss. I think that uh, it, it's a young man that obviously made a mistake and deleted it. Uh, if you're a grown, if you're a grown ass man tweeting stuff at a, a, a 19 year old, I think you should get a life. Um, obviously, not a good look. 
But it uh, looks like Jordan Murphy is heading out of the program. A guy that played last year showed some flashes in that slot, a deep threat. Um, I thought he, he was – run. He was uh, he, he was battling some illness last last week. He didn't play against Georgia State. And if we're being completely honest, I'm the Tennessee I, I'm I'm the beat reporter for our station, and uh, I I had to play who's who with uh, uh, Terrell Bailey. I, I didn't know who that was. I didn't know he existed, and I apologize. But he was a uh, a guy that uh, you apologize for not red, knowing. Terrell redshirted Bailey. last year, and a guy that didn't play didn't factor into the mix at cornerback with with slim numbers there. So I think Jordan Murphy, in terms of the future, I think he could play the role this year. But in terms of the future, when you have four wide receivers graduating this year. That's kind of a hit. Ramel Keaton. You'll have Ramel Keaton coming back. You'll have um, Jordan Memes potentially going back over there because you're losing Callaway Jennings. You'll have Palmer back. You're losing Bird. You're losing Johnson. As Jeremy Pruitt said, if you're a wide receiver and you want to play in the SEC, Tennessee's not They a were in on a couple wide receivers, and that loss to Georgia State is going to hit more than just on the win-loss record, man. Can you imagine trying to knock on the door of a recruit that you're battling Georgia, LSU, and Bama for, and you go, hey, University of Tennessee, and that kid's like, man, you guys have got some great facilities. Rocky Top's a beautiful place. Correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't you the team that just lost to Georgia State? Yep. I don't envy Brian Niedemeyer or some of those other guys' jobs. Mr. Stancil, if Tennessee is to beat BYU Saturday, what must they do differently? I dare you to say everything opposite they did against Georgia State. <laughs> That's pretty much it. First and foremost, line up correctly. I mean, there were just some. No matter youth, how old you youth get, football errors uh, Saturday. Shouldn't fundamentals are always number one, no matter how old you are, right? Fundamentals: see ball, hit ball, throw ball, catch ball, catch ball, shoot ball, see puck, slap puck, pass it. <sighs> All right, we're going to take an oath here today at Bailey's. Excuse me, Barley's. Barley's. Bailey's an old place in West Knoxville. I used to draft my fantasy football team a lot. Hands in. We'll take an oath. We'll never bring up Georgia State again. Now let's bury this dead body, and we've never seen this guy before in our life. All right. And break. Gentlemen's Hour Podcast. Big thank you to everybody downloading and listening today, whether it's just been minutes after the posting or if you're looking for a little bit of listen on your way, your drive home. I know quite a few people. They pull out of their first Tennessee building in downtown Knoxville, and they know traffic going down Alkilia Highway is sometimes back-to-back, bumper-to-bumper. Work your way through the construction. Do yourself a favor. If you were at your house over the weekend and you were putting away your Tennessee stuff because you were embarrassed after the Georgia State loss, do as my neighbors have done. Vent. Have you a drink, and then Tuesday night, secretly hang your flag back out on the – have your banner back out on the porch. Been there the whole time. Put your garden flag back there next to your Tennessee garden gnome. On your car. Hey, you know what I'm going to do tonight? Go buy a Tennessee garden gnome? No, I don't have a garden to do that. I think I am going to go to – you know, I live right across the river now. I think I'm going to get back from the press conference, do my hits. I think I'm going to walk from my apartment to Calhoun's, drink me a couple beers, and uh, listen to Vol Calls Live. Maybe Kesslin will hand you the headset and be like, "Canter, take us the rest of the way." I'd be like, "Bob, you know, this is my, this is my, this is my me time." Okay. Eric Kane, Brent Hubs, Vol calls. Let's go out to let's go out to Lenore City. Let's bring Jethro into it. Jethro, yes. can, can you turn your radio down, please, sir? Je- Je- uh, okay. Who screens the calls? It's not Dave Jeffries. No, they. Uh, it's on site. No, no, there's there's a call screener there because I've done it before. I did it I did it once or twice last year or two years ago. Um, the guy that normally does it, super nice guy. He's been with the Vol Network for a long time. Don't know his name, but he's one of those unsung heroes. Super nice guy. Yeah, so we nice all have guy. an SNG. Yeah, super nice guy. 
TFL, thanks for listening. SNG, we're all super nice guys for the Gentleman's Hour podcast. Hey, next Wednesday from the same location with the beautiful weather, with all the loud trucks and trains, there will be a victory to talk about. Am I predicting it? No. Wishful thinking. Thank you again for listening. And again, I'll say it. Homer it up, Ivans. In memory of my uncle. Tennessee Tyler. Go Vols. Gentlemen's Hour podcast is in the books with the starting lineups, Tyler Ivans and Eric Kane. Chat with the guys on Twitter, at Tyler Ivans and at underscore Kaner. It's the Gentleman's Hour podcast on the Sports Animal.